I have this morning some perspective to offer, uh, a way of looking at our lives, ourselves, in relationship, not only to the world around us, but in relationship to God, that will help encourage us and build us up for where we are right now. You know that perspective is always helpful, don't you? It's especially important during times of anxiety and stress. When things are really challenging and you're feeling afraid, your vision naturally narrows. You have to focus in on a few details and that's what you do to protect yourself. And that's good. It's actually very helpful to have from time to time your vision narrow. It becomes a problem when you find yourself for a long period of time in stress and anxiety responding by just narrowing your vision in. And haven't we all been a little bit stressed for about 20 months? It's a time when what we need is to step back and get a clearer, a broader view on how things actually are for us. Uh, Because this time of protracted challenge threatens to disrupt our perspective so that instead of looking at ourselves and our world in a healthy way, well, it becomes a little bit too narrow and then I don't see me and I don't see the world around me in the right way and then I become someone that I'm not meant to be. Has this happened to anybody else? I know it's happened for me. I've seen it with other folks. I should be joyful and free, but I am grumpy and tied up a little bit. Anyone else? I'm cagey. I'm defensive. I'm easily put off. I'm ready to be aggressive if you're not with me on this issue that we've all decided to make our entire lives revolve around. And what I need is someone to take me a step back and say, hold on a minute. Uh, Look at life a little bit broader. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Because we need that perspective. And here, I'll tell you right up front what we're going to see together. The first thing that you are going to see with me, and you need to see this, is that we are all in God's hands. Even now, it may not feel like it. It may seem like maybe if if there's a God out there, he's distant, we're distant, but it's not true. All of us are in God's hands, and we need to see that clearly. And not just when we've got it right, but even when we've got it wrong. Not just us but them too. All of us are in God's hands. That's the first thing we'll see. Now, secondly, we'll see that in God's hands, we are in the place where right now, God is actively at work making something new out of us. You need to see that too. Sometimes the way God makes us is easy and we like it, but often it's very challenging to be made by God anew And and we need that perspective to see that even now, in God's hands, we are the ones he is working on. We maybe have been tempted to think, well, everything's done. No, God's still working. That's the second thing we'll see. And then thirdly, uh, as hard as it is to be worked on by God, this is the third thing we'll see. God has a good plan. And when he looks at us, he sees something good, not just now, but down the road, and his work now is aimed towards something good down the road, which we can't see yet, but God can. He has a good plan. All three of these lessons will come to us as, uh, as invitations to take on a new perspective so that we see clearly where we are. And our teacher is going to be uh, Jeremiah. Uh, through uh, the, the, the wisdom that God gives him, we'll be enlightened. Jeremiah was a young man who was a prophet. His eyes were opened by God to see the truth in the world around him at a time when it was hard to see the truth. Does that sound familiar? 
And he was someone who not only could see the truth, but had the courage that God gave him to speak the truth in a time when a lot of people didn't want to hear what's true. Does that sound familiar? It was the 7th century BC, long time ago. Uh, He lived amongst the people of Israel. These were the descendants of the Hebrews that God had freed from oppression in Egypt. They had been established in a new place, but there in that new place, well, God saw them and knew that they needed perspective still. And so God gives Jeremiah an illustration, a picture of God's relationship with his people, which can help us also, those of us who are working at trusting Jesus even a little bit, are invited into the household of God. So what God teaches to Israel can be a lesson for us too. And and, and in the 18th chapter of of his book, of Jeremiah's book, uh, God gives Jeremiah this vision which has perspective for him and it's for us too. Uh, If you would find your way to the 18th chapter, you can also follow along here on the screen. The the scriptures are gonna be there. Uh, Listen carefully how uh, God invites Jeremiah to receive perspective Uh, for his people. This is verse one in chapter 18. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, come, go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. God sends Jeremiah to the industrial district in the place where he lives to observe an artisan at work in his shop so that he can get some perspective to pass along to the people who need it. God's perspective for Jeremiah, for the people of Israel, and for us if we'll open ourselves to God in faith. Uh, Verse three, uh, Jeremiah says, so I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. Jeremiah makes his way down to the studio where the potter is at work with his clay, sitting there at his table. The potter has the project there in the center of the table and begins to spin the wheel and then puts his hands on the vessel there at the center of the wheel. Now watch what happens. This is verse four. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. At first, things were going well. The project was coming along nicely. As it spun and the potter worked on it, things looked good, but then something went wrong. There was balance before, but now the vessel began to become out of balance. It started to wobble, and then, before you know it, it crumples up in the artist's hands, and the potter has to stop the wheel because it's not going right anymore. And now, Jeremiah watches, that potter has a decision to make. With that spoiled vessel in his hands, he has to decide whether to just discard that lump and grab another one, or to keep going with the original project, but with a new plan. And here, the potter decides not to throw the clay away, but instead to start again with the same clay. He puts it back on the wheel and then he begins it spinning again so he can start a new project with the same clay. Now try to use your imagination. There Jeremiah can see that the artist isn't done yet with that piece. He's got some new idea and he starts it spinning again. Now while Jeremiah is there watching this unfold, God speaks to him again and and has something for him to hear. Listen now. This is verse five. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel? 
just as this potter has done, says the Lord. Here God is teaching Jeremiah that he wants Jeremiah to see something true through the image of the potter and the clay. God is saying to him, look beyond what's happening right there and through it, I'm gonna show you something true about my way with the people of Israel who are my people. God is saying to him, if you can see through that potter, you're gonna see something true about me. If you can see through the clay, I'm gonna show you something true about my people, the people of Israel. If you can see through this, if I can see through this and I'm a person who's willing to put myself into Jesus' hands, there is potential here for me to receive divine perspective about me about you right now. God makes it very clear to him in what he says next. Look at this, this is the second half of verse five. Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. In the same way that the potter is holding onto that clay, God is saying, I am holding on to you. Pay attention, God says, to what you see in those hands of the artist right there, and you're going to see something true about my hands, God is saying. And notice uh, that clay there. Watch what's happening for it, because if you pay attention to that clay, you're going to see something true about you. This was God's perspective through Jeremiah for the people of Israel there and then. If you will open your heart to it and use your imagination right now, this will be God's perspective for you and how things are for you and God in the world where you find yourself right now. Now, an artist and his raw material, God and his people Israel, and through Christ, all people who are trusting him. This is divine perspective for you right now. Do you need divine perspective right now? Yes or no? Yes. Don't we? All of us do. Uh, We need that. We've got a whole bunch of ideas about what we think will help us. And a lot of those ideas come because our perspective has been so narrowed and they're crazy ideas. We've been looking so closely. Our back has been up against the wall. Our fists have been clenched. We've been in crisis mode for a long, long time. We're ready for battle and we think we know what we need, but we have no idea because we can only see this much. And right here, there's a gift for you and it's to back up and see this much to see your life right now from divine perspective. I need to see that. I do. You, all of you need to see that. I'm not asking you anymore if you need to see it. You need that. You need to have a broad enough view so that it's trustworthy, so that the stress of this time doesn't narrow my vision or your vision in a way that damages you because you can't see what's really happening. Back in verse four here, in this very simple picture, which God gives to Jeremiah, there are three details each with a lesson for how we should view our lives. And if we'll take our time, God will teach us through these. Here, let's go back to verse four and observe one clause at a time and see what God might teach us about where we are in life right now and where he is. Look with me. Here's the first clause in verse four. The clay is in the potter's hand. That location has a lesson for us. Ordinarily, That's exactly where the clay should be. And so there's nothing special in general about the clay being in the hands of the potter. Of course, that's where it's supposed to be. But it's the state of this clay that makes it extraordinary that it's still in the the hands of of the artist because the clay has become spoiled. And clay is really cheap for the artist. He's got a huge pile of it here and one lump here. And anyone would think that once that 
vessel becomes marred, it's just so much easier for the artist to say, you know what, this one, it's failed, and then to throw it aside. But not in this case. In this case, instead of just grabbing a brand new lump and saying, I'll, I'll make something new, the artist decides to hold on to that clay and not throw it away, even though it has become spoiled. Spoiled clay is rigid instead of flexible. It's no longer able to be molded or crafted, and, and it could just as easily be thrown aside, but not here. Instead, this potter decides to go on working with it even though it's spoiled. Now, first of all, this is a picture of God and Israel. Uh, those, of, those of us who haven't spent any time reading the prophets might not know it, but consistently, God's people... The people of Israel are people who would best be described as spoiled. They had all the gifts of God. They knew the right way to go. But instead of going that way, they went the opposite way instead. When God's path for them was right but challenging, they often went with what was wrong because it was easier. Do you know people who do that in life? Yes or no? Would you admit that you do it too? Yes or no? Oh, it's so much easier to see other people going the wrong way, isn't it? Can you think of that person who's spoiled? They believe the wrong things. They've got the wrong convictions, the wrong ethics. It's, put them aside, would you? If you think about them, God won't teach you a single thing this morning. But if instead you can say, you know, there have been times in my life where I've been like spoiled clay. Can you do that? Times when you, your heart said, go that direction. It's, it's the way that God made you to go, but instead you go the other way. Uh, have this outlook on that person. God's telling you, you know it in your conscience, and yet you're judgmental and mean instead. Or whatever it is for you, if you can identify for a moment the ways that you have become stubborn and inflexible and rigid and, and unbalanced and wobbly and, and, and the project that is you has, has come crashing down, if you know even a tiny bit of what it's like to say, you know, maybe I have myself contributed to this season of spoil in my life. If that's you, then this scene right here has some perspective to give you. And it is that even though you've become spoiled, even though you've become a project that's very difficult to work with, God decides not to let you go. And instead, this is the first lesson, we are in God's hands. And that is a perspective that's offered for you this morning. Not only when we've been doing everything right, but even when we've become spoiled when life gets out of balance because of us, when everything falls apart because of our mistakes and the ways that we've gone in the opposite direction of where we know we should go, God keeps us in his hands still. And this is why. It's because God decides to remain true to his commitments even when we decide not to remain true to our commitments. And if you're honest with yourself, I guarantee you, you can see that fact in your own life. If you acknowledge those places where you yourself have been spoiled clay, then you're ready to accept this gift. And it is the perspective that right now you are still in God's hands. Is that heartening to anyone here? No matter how spoiled you are, no matter how spoiled life has become, if you thought, man, everything's at an end. I did this thing and everything fell apart. That's it. Uh, you may think that. Or, or they did this thing and now this is where my life is. And you think it's a project that's absolutely and utterly wasted and totally destroyed. It's not true that it's wasted or destroyed because God decides to keep you in his hands still. And you are in his hands right now. And so are all the other people out there that maybe you wish weren't in his hands. They are too. And that's a good place to be. Let me tell you why. Because God's hands, listen to this, take this to heart. God's hands are forgiving hands. 
their hands which hold us and say, I see the stains that you have brought into your life. It is my will to wash them away with my grace. Stay here in my hands and let me make you pure again. Those are good hands because God's hands are healing hands. Every wound that causes you grief and sorrow upon sorrow, the, the, the wounds from regret or misdeeds on your part, God's hands are ready to heal those wounds. These are the hands of the great physician. God holds us to heal us in the ways that only he can do it. These hands are, are, are good for us because they're protective hands. We might not see it, but there are innumerable ways that even now his hands are protecting us. What a good bit of perspective to know that we're in his hands still. His hands are creative. That's really the the main idea here in this image, as Jeremiah sees those hands of the artist, which will not, which absolutely refuse to discard the clay, even though it's spoiled, those hands are also creative. That brings us to the second lesson, actually. The reason that the artist decides not to let go of that clay, that's also there in the next clause in verse four here. Look at it with me. He reworked it. The reason that the potter decides not to throw that clay out is because he is not done working with it yet. It may seem like it's a lost cause, right? It, it may look like it's got no future ahead of it whatsoever. There's no hope in that thing there, but in the potter's hands, its present state does not need to determine its future possibilities because he still has work to do with it. He keeps his hands on it so that he can make something new. Now, everyone in here who has been tempted to feel that life has become so spoiled, well, I guess it's just gonna be like this from now on. You are invited to take this new perspective to heart. It is this, God is not done yet. Just like the potter is not done yet in this in this workshop, God is not done yet on working with you. Does that feel good to you, to anyone here? Has anyone been tempted with that hopeless feeling that I guess this is just it from now on? If you have, take this to heart. God's not done yet. For every spouse in this room whose marriage ended, even though they'd wish it hadn't, and now has been tempted with the hopelessness of what it's like to be in this season, single, God is not done yet. For every child in this place whose parents have split up and then has to live through this turmoil of having to be divided between mom and dad, listen, God's not done yet. For every young adult in this place who looks around and says, my prospects are dim and I can't see anything positive down the road and I can't find my way to all of the good things that I wish would come into my life right now, please listen, God is not done yet. For every disciple who knows the right thing to do and understands the will of the Lord, but keeps doing it wrong. For every woman who says, I, I'm sure that this is the path that God is inviting me on, but she's helplessly stuck. God is not done yet. For the person who looks in the mirror and does not like what he sees, God is not done yet. Is that encouraging to you? Oh, thank you. I was beginning to think maybe you'd fallen asleep. It's encouraging you, yes? Good, good. Take it to heart, please. You're still in God's hands. He's not done working on you yet. Now, before that feels too good, I have to give you a warning, <laughs> right? Because we might think, all right, if I'm in God's hands and he's not done yet, then tomorrow morning I'll wake up and everything will be perfect. It doesn't work like that. You may wish it would work like that. I know I do. 
But if we look carefully at that clay in the potter's hands, now we have a vision for what it might be like to be reworked and remade by that artist. And we need to see that in order to be mature and have the right expectations because can you imagine how hard it is for that clay to have to be remade? Try to picture it, right? See Jeremiah there watching and now that it's misshapen, it doesn't just poof, start over. The artist has to crush that thing back down into a ball. And can you imagine, that probably doesn't feel very good, do you think? To get started on reworking us, do you know that God has to break down everything that we've built apart from him? And that's not gonna be easy. But it's gonna be good for us. The artist has to do that to get going. You know, after the, the clay is pushed into a ball, there's a problem, and it's that there are some air bubbles in there. And the way that the potter deals with it is after making it into a ball, boom, pounding at it over and over until every bit of air is pressed out of it. And do you know God has to do something like that with you too? Does that sound fun? No. Uh, discipline is a part of the way that God remakes us. And, and all discipline is unpleasant at first. Uh, divine discipline, the way that God is going to break down the habits that you've formed, which have to be broken down as he remakes you. Or the way that God's going to... Uh, you know, to be frank, to beat out some of those attitudes that have festered in you as you've had such a narrow vision for so long, the way that God is going to begin to prepare you for what's next, that will be difficult, but it's good. God does all of this for our own good. And now, get this, imagine after this process, the clay is put there on the wheel, and you know what happens next is that the, the wheel starts to spin, and that means the clay spins and it's moving and moving in circles, but it's not getting anywhere. Have you ever felt like that? That your life is just going in circles, but nowhere? That's what the clay feels like. For a long time, in order for this process to move forward, it has to be spinning and feeling like it's going nowhere. And then the artist applies steady and consistent pressure so that this shape that is in his mind will begin to be transformed, uh, transferred into the clay as the clay is transformed. And pressure like that, that doesn't feel good. It's not natural. God's shaping influence will hurt sometimes. It will be unnatural for you and, and, and you will not believe that it's good because of how hard it is. But listen now, you, you will be inclined to resist and to push back, but you were invited here to take a new perspective on your life. And, and it is that God is active right now and, and all of these pressures and challenges which you can't change. I'm not talking about the ones which you can change and you should. I mean the ones in life that you have no control over. Maybe you're invited here to see, this is how the potter is reworking me. God is not done yet. Take that to heart. If you will, and God continues to work on you as you are in his hands, then you need this last lesson. It's from the last clause in verse four there, and, and, and you need to take this last one to heart as well. Look at what it says here. He is reworking it as seemed good to him. As he began to rework the clay, the potter had a vision in his mind for what it would become. And now you need to listen and take this to heart. God is remaking you as seems good to him. Just like the potter was shaping the clay. That's what God is doing, making you as seems good to him. And do you know that may not be exactly the same as what seems good to you? If you would take it to heart, here it is. God has a plan. And it is his own design and intentions for you personally. 
That is in God's heart for you, just as surely as this artist had a vision in his mind for that clay. God looks at you right now where you are and has a plan for who he wants you to be. And he is working right now at making you that. And if what his plan, if his plan is different than what you want, his plans are definitely better than yours. Would you accept that? Sometimes do you wish that it was different? I know I do. Honestly, I wish that the way it worked is I got to look at me and my life right now and then I got to wish for whatever I wished for down the road and that's what I would become. That if I work hard and I apply myself, I can become anything I want to be. Don't you think that's sort of the message that's out there all around us in this world? You apply yourself and and really work at it, you can become anything. That's not true. And there are a lot of things that I might want to become that aren't good for me at all. But God himself, he looks down the road. He knows the best thing for me to become, for you to be. And he is, this, this is what this vision teaches us. Right now, he is working on shaping you, shaping me into what he wants us to become. And our responsibility is to be clay that is not spoiled, but is rather supple and responsive in the master's hands. The clay does not get to decide the shape that it takes. That's the potter's job. And listen to me now, that is only bad if the clay knows better than the potter what's best. Do you think it does? No, of course not. If I'm clay and God is the potter, then he obviously knows better. And, and look, you're free. You're, you're completely free to say, well, I don't think that story is accurate. And I don't think that vision is how it really goes in the world. I know better than God. You're free to think that. It is a foolish thing to think. And it will hurt you as long as you think it. And I can tell you, I've lived as if I think that's how it works too. And every time I do that, it's bad for me and bad for the people around me. But this vision here invites me to take a new perspective and to say, oh yes, Christian, remember, you are the clay. God is the potter. And when I remember that, it's good for me. And, and listen, uh, the, the question that comes up if I'm going on persisting, believing I know better than God is obvious. Isaiah, the prophet, asks the questions in his book, Isaiah 29, verse 16. Here's what he says. He says, shall the potter be regarded as the clay? It's such a sensible question, right? It is, is the potter on the same level as the clay in the potter's hands? Obviously, no. He goes on, shall the thing made, say of its maker, he did not make me. When we think that we know better than God, it's like that, that we're the product that says of the producer, I know better. Uh, Or the thing formed, say of the one who formed it, he has no understanding. Listen, you are always free to think you know better than God and to look at what's happening and the things that are out of your control and judge God and say, but he doesn't know, I know better. But here we are invited to a different path and it is to instead say, I'm gonna believe that the potter knows better than I do. I'm in God's hands, he's working on me and he knows better than I. And and then when there's a difference between what I want and what God wants, I am invited to go with God. To stop fighting and say, if it's good to him, then it will be better for me. And now here, all of us have uh, the freedom right now to choose how we respond to this perspective. Uh, Your part if you will accept it and take it to heart, is to remain flexible in God's hands, responsive to his influence. And that will mean choosing to trust God. 
Now, I can't tell you exactly what that will mean personally for you, but I suspect that if you open your mind and your conscience is clear, you will have some sense right now about what it means for you to stop being so spoiled and instead be workable in the hands of the master. It it doesn't take uh, a deep uh, and, and sort of holy and religious outlook on everything to have at least some sense of what it would look like for you to say, you know what, I am actually gonna believe that I'm not out of God's hands, but I'm in them right now. To see where it is right now that you're invited by God to accept. No, no, I I haven't abandoned you, God is saying. I've got you still. And then to, to believe also that maybe some of those challenges and those difficulties not the ones that you're causing because you're immature, but the ones that are out of your control are actually one of the ways that God's gonna wanna make you something new. And then to believe his plan for you is good. Here, these three perspectives are yours to take or leave, and I suggest taking them. That we are in God's hands, all of us. That's the first one. That he has us in his hands because he loves us and he has not given up on us and he won't. He won't cast us aside, but he's holding us. And that's for you and for all the people that you know. That's who God is. He's holding us. And, and that, that he's holding us because he's not finished yet. He's not done. He has more to do. And every time you bump up against that horrible feeling that, well, I guess everything's spoiled and this is the end. No, God is not done yet. And then to believe and take it to heart and trust it, that God has a good plan. He has a vision. And when it's different than mine, his is the right one. Believe those three, take them to heart, and then let God make you into the vessel that he means you to be. Can you accept that perspective, those perspectives now? Yeah. Here, let's pray now and ask God to help us take those to heart. He lends us his spirit so that what is good and true can take root in our hearts and we'll ask for for that right now. Let's pray. Join me in praying. God, we thank you for the good word that you gave to Jeremiah all those generations ago. We thank you that you brought him to that place where he could see something true to offer new perspective for the people of Israel, your beloved people in that time. God, we thank you that you are gracious and that in Christ you opened the covenant to us. You brought in the household so that we are invited to be your children by your grace. And as your children, God, we need perspective. We know we need it. Gosh, these past 20 months have been so difficult in many ways. One way in particular is it's been hard to see clearly. And we know that here with this word that comes through Jeremiah to us, that we are invited to have a new perspective. And we ask that you would open not only our eyes, the eyes uh, of faith would be opened in us and, and our spiritual sight would be opened up so that we could see accurately what's true. That none of us are out of your hands, but we're in your hands still. That you're not done working on any of us, but that you still are at work. And and then lastly, God, let us trust that you have something in mind which is good to you that you're making. And, And where that's different than what we wish for, help us accept that your vision for us is best. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.